Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a plenty from Poland but none from Sudan Or from Fiji or Uzbekistan Stamp collecting happens when we dream together Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode 127 I'm Cash. And I saw a magician driving his car down the road, and it turned into a driveway. This is Tom. (laughs) (laughs) I know. There's nothing to say. I really am a magician. Yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, he magically disappears all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! No, I made a magic deck of cards. Yes, he did. You can find it out there. Do a Google search, cash deck. Do you have your Do you have your usual card you keep in your wallet? I always do. Well, do that. I can't do it on the podcast. <laughs> well, you have to show Tom because it's really awesome. Okay, here here's a trick, okay? Everybody out there, think of a card. You've done this one. They all know it. <sighs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> well... No, that card in your wallet, that's how you won my heart. Ah, well, okay. So, yeah. So it must be good. Okay. And I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. We are once again at Stamp Show Steve's Anaheim Stamp Show. You like the dealer questions so much based on the feedback on Facebook that we are going to make this a monthly thing. Sit back, enjoy, and let's all get rich collecting stamps. Oh, and I also did a notary, so I have a few dollars to spend on stamps. Um, I need to find Marcel. Yep, dragon stamps. Yeah, for all your notary needs, contact Don at Stamp Show here today. Yes, I am a notary in Orange County, so. Woohoo. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. She's a one percenter now. One percenter what? Well, I guess one percent of the people who need notary service done. I think it's a little higher than that. <laughs> So we're here with Stan Iceland, and we have a patient to discuss with him. And I have plenty of patience, so let's take a a look at this. It's a $20 um, newspaper. Newspaper, the 1894, uh, not 1894, what is it, 1898? 1895. 1895. It's the 1895 issue, $20, incredibly clear impression. I mean, just proof-like. It's 1895, yep. No watermark. Well, let's double check. But it just looks too nice to be real. When anything's too good to be true, let's see. Uh, 
see, we're gonna watermark it here. Yeah, that it's got a little blemish there on the bottom. Yep. So it's good. It's got like a repaired perf or something or like that. It could be even paper adherence. Or paper. Uh, yeah. More, you know, maybe a little repair, but it's very small. Um, not seeing a watermark. That's just the image coming through. That's right? just the image. Yep. It would be a large double watermark yeah, yep. that wouldn't be missed. Of it's a course, big stamp. And here we have it's drying up. Yeah, we just dipped it in Ronsonol. Yep. It's almost dry, and we'll get a chance to look at it through a light. And it's wallpaper. Yep. Which it should be on. It's very thin. And it's not proof paper. Definitely not proof paper. That's not, but the image is proof like. It's just a gorgeous image. Are you going to be able to put this up uh, anywhere on the, on the site somewhere so somebody can see what it looks like? Yeah, I'll put it on uh, Facebook so everybody can see what the patient looks like. And looking at under magnification. Just a gorgeous, the clear. It's got to be like. If it's real, it's the early, it's got to be like a really super early impression or something because it's just so nice. Extremely clear image. Really like a proof. And what I'd love to know in, uh, is the sheet it came out of. Yeah. Because uh, I wonder if there are others that, uh, or possibly one portion got inked better than the other on yep. the plate. But it's well, it, phenomenal. It's, in your expert opinion? It looks to me like it's real. Yep. And uh, that's my opinion. <laughs> it's just so gorgeous. I'm going to put a picture of it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. This one really had us baffled because, you know, there are a lot of, in this, there are a lot of proofs. And they get shaved down and stuff done to them. But this is on perfectly even paper. Yeah. Not pressed or anything. If anybody shaved that down, they did a heck of a job. I, yeah, I don't just don't think you can do it that evenly. I mean, it's interesting looking at it from back on the image. Look at this. You know, that, the color on that through the back, through the light, <laughs> almost looks uh, as good as a lot of the stamps you see. And the perforations, if it was a proof, it would have fake perforations. It would, yes. And those perforations they look, measure well, look well. It just does not look reperforated at all. And these two sides especially look like they've been pulled very well. Yeah. yeah. Got a little uh, corner pulled perf, which further shows you that it was probably torn from a sheet. Beautiful black inking. Yeah. Well, what do we think? Uh, I, I think that somebody found a... Uh, PR-111? PR-111, unused. I would also, this would be something unused. Uh, or, I'm sorry, unused. No, yeah, no gum. Yep. Which is a nice catalog value. And, $1,200 stamp. And with that image, man, who, who knows? Yeah, it's got to be a premium item for that. Now, in terms of the grade, it'd be a little bit knocked off, but the image has got to... I, I think it's like an 80 or an 85. The in, the uh, impression would pop it up, but the corner perf would pull it down. Yeah. It's probably, um, from a grading standpoint, not worth grading because of the corner perf. Yeah. I agree. Nice stamp.
think you want to show it to several other experts before you get out there. You are one. You are the expert. I am one of the experts. You are one of the experts. So, while you're talking about being an expert, why don't you tell people who you are? Give them a little. Everybody has heard of Stan, so now you actually get to hear him talk. I'm Stan. <laughs> Stan Iceland. I sell mainly back of the book, U.S. back of the book, revenues, essays, proofs, Hawaii, now Canada, and some and uh, British North America, and. Uh, been doing it for fun for the last 20 years and been a friend of Cash's and learning every day. That's it. <laughs> so let me ask you the question I ask all the dealers, since you are a dealer. Okay. How do you make money at stamp collecting? Very difficult. What's uh, no. I, I'm making money. You know, now, that's a question. That's a difficult question to ask and answer. Yeah, I know because it. what is your goal to begin with? If, if you're going to start from the point of view of, am I doing this to make money? Are you asking as a, as a dealer to making money or as a collector trying to make money? And I'm, Any I'm, way you want to take it. It's, it's a very generic question, and we have, I have asked this to many dealers. And they've gone from the standpoint of making money as a dealer, making money as a collector, making money as an investor. In your opinion, what would you think that the listeners would be most able to do? Well, depends upon your first coming from it from your interest. It's a hobby. You can either come in it from enjoyment, which means you can have fun with it and buy what you like. And at the end, you might get... What, what the market brings to it. So you've got to incorporate your interest in that. that now, if you're interested as a collector in trying to make money, you've got to do a lot of studying. You've got to really understand the stamps. You've got to look to, that, look to what people are interested in buying. Now, are you going to hold it long-term or short-term? Short-term being... You're going to buy it, and the old thing at the auction where everybody comes in and says, we just bought the, the stamp, and then it stands, uh, and stands up and says, now I want to sell it. Well, obviously, you're not going to make money because you just paid premium. Yes. Okay. But if you get to, uh, to study, understand rarity, but there's a factor in it. So you buy something that is a little more rare, you got the possibility of somebody wanting that stamp. Um, well, I think that's why you like back of the book. Yes, because it's all it, worst case scenario. It's scarce. It's scarce, <laughs> exactly. Now, take for instance this here. Um, there's only two known at a stamp. This is a. Uh, it has a cert from you guys, BSE. It's a uh, uh, match of medicine. RS80B, uh, which is... Uh, the color variety. And it cats $10,000. Yep. Okay. Now, in the condition it is, it's not going to probably bring $10,000. Probably bringing in the range of two to $3,000. Mm-hmm. And if somebody bought it and found it through a search, they would make money It'd be a little more difficult to make money off of it buying from me and and turning it over. On the other hand, 
you held on to it for a number of years, and other ones are not found, you have a possibility of making some money. Well, that, that's one possibility. Yep. Now, the other thing I've talked to people about is finding things that are unique, like the uh, Roosevelt die proofs. There were, what, uh, 85 books done in, uh, was it 1903 or 1908? I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, somewhere. It was Teddy Roosevelt. Right. Yeah. And, but I thought it was when he was Secretary of State. You know, I thought he was president. I mean, somebody's going to have to do some fact checking okay. on history. That's why we have Cash's Corrections. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, that, there aren't that many. And it, they're gorgeous. They have uh, the capability of, uh, uh, of, I think, if you buy them with the backing on them or you have a, uh, a great image, you have also a possibility of... Uh, something that somebody might want in the future. Yeah, well, the uh, Roosevelt collection was mounted on pages. It shouldn't be removed from the paper because they used a glue, which is incredibly difficult to get off. If you soak it, you will destroy it. Actually, I've, I've got several of them that have been uh, soaked off that I wound up buying, and they're actually in pretty good shape. Oh. But the problem is, they actually you don't don't expect to pay the full price. They pay about 40% of the catalog. Ah. So, okay, you're back to the question which you asked, and we've been kind of digressing, uh, making money as a stamp collector. Condition and rarity play a factor, as you know, in terms of uh, grading, the higher grade, uh, and sometimes if you get to know the stamps fairly well and know the issue, you can find something within it, and it's a search. It's a search. Uh, under, you need to spend time learning about uh, the, per, uh, you know, uh, the perfs and the regumming and uh, the real gum and all these other issues. That uh, I think you've done lots of stuff on the podcast. About. Well, we're yeah, we're on episode one. This is one twenty-eight, I believe it is. Now I know you used some of my jokes over the years. Oh, we've stolen lots yes, of your jokes. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, them. you've been mentioned on the podcast many, many times. So you want a corny joke? <laughs> sure, go for it. Okay. <laughs> there are these two olives in a tree, and one of them falls to the ground, and the olive in the tree looks down and says to the olive on the ground, are you okay? The olive on the ground looks up and says, olive. You know, they cricket me for this stuff. <laughs> I get crickets after my jokes. So. Yes, you do. But uh, as a dealer, there's a question about how do you make money? And that's another question is because collectors who are listening go, what, what are the dealers doing? Now, some dealers make a living doing this. I don't. I do it as a hobby, so it's fun. I sell, I buy more, so look at my inventory as my revolving collection, mm-hmm. and uh, whatever I have at the time, I pick things I like. Uh, but for dealers, uh, they have to buy a lot of times in quantity, mm-hmm. and have to buy a lot of stuff they don't particularly want to get to the material that they're able to sell and make some money off of. And some of them move things very fast, and others will sit on them 
for a long time or just pick things out? Well, that's one of the things that is always brought up is as a percentage of catalog, you can't always go by percentages because some things sell fast and some things sell slow. So sometimes a 50% discount off catalog is a bargain. And sometimes a 90% discount is a waste of money. Yeah, and in that case, I've been known to be sometimes half uh, fast and, uh, <laughs> well, and half slow. You know, it's hard. Some of this stuff is hard to find. Oh, it's and once I sell it, it's gone. I know, as Dave knows, uh, we've we've started with uh, um, newspaper trial color proofs, which. Cat, what about thirty-five dollars? Yeah, they catalog at thirty-five, but you can't find them. We've yeah, they're cheap but invisible. Yeah, you can't find I them. I mean, I went to the stamp show in uh, New York and found some, and you know, guys like Jim, Jim Lee have them. Uh, but even he, he, uh, he has a hard time finding them. They only come in, so you don't see a lot of this stuff. And uh, but it's fun. It's fun. and well, I love back of the book because, like you said, there is a demand for it. But it's scarce, and it really is the thrill of the search. You're never going to go out there and buy a big revenue collection just like willy-nilly. There might be one that comes up once every couple of years, maybe. And when, and when you talk revenues, you're not just talking first three issues. You got There's all kinds of revenues. They're, they're well, my favorites are the uh, private dyes. We have private dye matching medicine. We, we have a great one about Jake Leg. Jamaica, ja what was it? Jamaica Ginger. Jamaica Ginger. Yes. The, the RS-37. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Jamaica Ginger. That was Scott's favorite uh, that he was talking about, about, oh, I'd say probably 50 or 60 episodes Which ago. Which brings one of my favorite stories about, as a collector and a dealer, I don't collect anymore, but I, I bought a major match in that medicine collection from a person who was in his 90s years ago and they paid a lot of money. Within that there was a, the Jamaica Ginger large dye proof. Oh, okay. Gorgeous. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing a table, have everything out. I want to show it to you. But I didn't really didn't care about selling it because it was my favorite piece. I yeah. just want to hold on to it. You know. So I put a high price on it. I should have put not for sale on it. <laughs> I just put a high price on it. And somebody walked in this show and go, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, Oh my gosh, okay, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I made some money off of it, yeah. but it was like the one piece, it, it was gorgeous, it's, uh, as you know from that stamp, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. This is another stamp that uh, is, is interesting in that same vein, which Laird's is... Uh, bloom of La Laird's. Youth. Laird's Bloom of Youth. It's uh, um, a complexion cream. It's a perfumery stamp. Yes. And uh, this stamp... Uh, and it says on it, beware of counterfeits. Yes. You wouldn't want to get fake snake oil. Okay. Now, this particular stamp, I bought at auction as a block of three. And I agonized for years. And it came from the one of the major collections. And 
the question was trying to keep it as block at three. According to Mike Aldrich's book, there is only 42 known recorded on this particular um, watermark paper. Oh. Yeah, so it has some real scar scarcity in that sense. But actually, there's another issue. That's one of the other three. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so 42 uh, recorded, and I'm staring at two of them right, right now. now. Yes. And they're very interesting uh, design. Now, I'll get people who come in with just this here cut out oh. and ask me what it is, just the design. Oh, that and center three-cent part with the girl like on stamp. it. It looks yeah. like a stamp. And they have no idea. And it's actually took me a while to figure out. And I go, wait a minute, I've seen that somewhere in my life. And I realized they were stuck in the middle of that. So interesting. They cut up the major part of it. Because this is sort of a label. It has a price and everything on it. Well, actually, what that was, this came out is uh, during the Civil War, they were raising revenues right. uh, for tax for the war. And they were having match medicine perfumery companies, playing card companies put the revenue stamp on their uh, their matches, their their medicine bottles, their perfumes. Because the government wanted money. Yeah, and in relation to that, the company said, "Okay, let's. We don't mind paying the taxes. Maybe they did or didn't mind paying the taxes. But if we have to, oh, I'm sure they <laughs> minded paying the taxes. But if they have to pay the taxes, they at least like to turn it into an advertisement. Yes. And the government, they went to the government, and the government actually allowed them to print. Actually, the government printed it for them. Um, these uh, advertising. If you look in most of them, you'll you'll see uh, U.S. Uh, uh, internal revenue. Mm -hmm. Now, yep. after, because they became so popular and known as these things, after the tax went away, they turned these into labels. And you'll find them actually as labels also. Sure. Lot of They're great art. Yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah. And the engravings are just, you know, you're talking about old engravings. Yep. Uh, Very nice. Uh, yeah. Well, any uh, last-minute little tidbits you want to tell the listeners? Well, let's see. I, not that I can think of, but... Uh, any other, <laughs> Any other jokes? Any other jokes? Let me see. Oh yes, I've been. You know, as a, you know, you know, I've been involved in uh, more of the engineering of uh, major skylights on projects around the uh, uh, the country and around, you know around. Uh, I've developed a phobia. Uh oh. Uh, yes, I now have a phobia of over-engineered buildings. And it's been diagnosed as a complex, complex, complex. Well, that's the question. We're speculating on stamps. Well, that's the question he asked me, and I didn't answer it very well yesterday. I didn't, I it's like, it. what's new? Uh, Thank you. When, Thank you. When, when people used to come to the store, that's the first thing they say, what's new? So what's I, new? The first showcase I had, I had a sign in, what's new? And I just point to it, this is what's new. And that way, these are, this is what I put on sale for this week. I, I told you what I've was seen new. People, I've seen yesterday. people. <laughs> Jersey. What? I told you what was new yesterday. Ark, Jersey, York. Oh, New Ark. <laughs> yeah, Caledonia, Hebrides. <laughs> we did that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's still good though today. 
How okay, so, so I'm here with Steve Patillo, Stamp Show Steve, and also Stan is sitting here too. So Steve, say hi. Hello everybody out there in Stampland. Why don't you tell them who you are too? Just for people who don't know. Okay, my name is Steve Patillo, also known as Stamp Show Steve. I put on and produce approximately 40 trade shows, including uh, three different monthly shows and Oracle Expo, which is one of the largest shows in the country, held typically in January. Yay! Right. Yay! So, Steve, here's the question. How do you make money at stamp collecting? Can I start? That? Yeah. You get, you get a small printing press. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're going to print, print British Guiana number 13s. <laughs> Yeah. How do you make money on stamps? Uh, this question was asked me a couple months ago, and I just kind of blanked um, because I was. Uh, we live in a different time with the computer, uh, so most money is made now on the computer. And I'm a traditionalist. I like to uh, find out what customers like or what they collect, get want list, and hunt and shop for them, which I vicariously get to collect for them by running around hunting and buying. And hopefully I get the quality standards right. No, I have to get the quality standard right because I can't afford them to say, oh, I don't want this one. So. And then you own it. Yeah, then I get to keep it for <laughs> stock. Or as I say, I don't call my, my wall of stamps stock or inventory. I call it mistakes. <laughs> anyway, how do you make money at stamps? By buying things that other people are going to appreciate, that are going to like, or go, oh, wow, look at that. I have to have that. Well, I just buy it. Well, I want it. Okay. Um, if you buy eclectic, unusual, high-quality items, uh, you're going to just be the temporary custodian of them. Uh, if you buy things that everyone has already, you get to own it. If you buy things that are, are valuable but are hurt, well, there's still a home for it because not everyone has a millionaire's budget or as they say, a champagne budget or a beer budget, well, there's there's material for everybody. So, again, how do you make money on stamps? By buying things that other people are gonna appreciate or need or go wow or say, wow, I've never seen that before. Like what? What? You were, you're this, we're at the stamp show. Um, I just saw like two people and you literally just handed them envelopes of stuff that they had been looking for. Yes, uh, I've trained my customers to to not be disappointed. And I say that is they give me their want list in advance in the interim between the shows and I go and hunt out the items that they're looking for and the quality standards to, to meet the quality standards that they wish. And that way when they come to the booth, if they're in a hurry or not, I have something prepared for them. And uh, then they're all happy. Or, because a lot of people come up, well, do you have anything for me? I said, well, what are you looking for? Well, I forgot my list. Oh, okay, well, what, what do, you, do you remember? Well, no, I don't. Uh, so there's a lot of disappointment can happen if you're not prepared. So if you ask or train your customers to provide you a list, then I can hunt in the interim and have things prepared for them in, to, to their budgets or beyond their budgets in some case, and then, then I have stuff prepared for them the following month. And then everyone's happy. I'm happy because I got a sale. They're happy because they've got new toys for their collection. And uh, we're just all good. Cool. 
How was your show so far? My show yesterday was very busy. Had uh, 23 transactions at May 24, the pickup today. No. Um, no, it was an active show. I thought it was uh, pretty well attended yesterday. That was the quality Sunday stamp show held at the Anaheim Hotel in Anaheim, California, directly across the street from Disneyland. Disneyland. Actually, I heard the Glendale show was good. Actually, Glendale was very busy. I was surprised that it seemed like the attendance was low. I don't know if it was, we had an accurate count on it, but it was uh, people stayed and it was active. And I, I saw people that I haven't seen before, which is to me paramount to see new collectors coming. How was your show yesterday, Stan? My show uh, was entertaining and fun, and uh, <laughs> I have a different approach to things than Steve. Steve makes a living as a stamp. I don't make a living as a stamp dealer. It more is enjoyable, entertaining, uh, and a hobby. You know? But on the other hand, I did have a fairly good show. I did a number of my uh, customers came. We, we looked at stuff. I had some materials for them. They were able to go through some things. I had some new material that people got a chance to see, and that was nice. I, I specialize in an area where Steve has much more of a, a larger inventory. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so I, I kind of have the back of the book uh, and some of the oddball stuff. I also had an interesting experience. Well, my show was good. I mean, it was good. in a sense I enjoy, enjoyable. And, and we got to play with a $20 uh, newspaper stamp. We absolutely do. We got a chance to look at that. And um, But actually it was interesting because I specialized. Some people came to me yesterday with some interesting material. The most they didn't even know what they were. Did you, did you get a chance to see that with me? Yeah, Which one was it? Was the, uh, the oh progressive, the proofs? The, yes. pro, pro, the progressive proofs. They, they weren't proofs. They were actually or, essays. Me, essays. Yeah. Oh, the little forward. Yeah. They almost look like Chernikovs. Yeah, well, they, yeah, 1903. I'm not sure if they were actually printed by Chernikov no, or not. No, they were. They, but they are the 1903 uh, reprints. Yep. And it was really nice of the 24 cent. Uh, yep. Which is what, U.S. number 37 or 38? What was the 24 cent? Whatever it is. I should know that. The 28 center, which is... 24 cent. 24 center. Is that number 37 or 38? 37. 37. Sorry about that. I should know that. That's okay. That's why I have casual corrections. I give wrong numbers all the time. But my show was good. Well, well attended. Oh, I do have. Uh, Steve's got a person he's talking to. Hold on. What was the question? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, there you go. Um, <clears throat> there was an you had an interesting uh, conversation with a fellow yesterday who was uh, trying to sell you meter stamps. Oh no no they were computer computer generated uh, CVP computer vended postage okay, and they, they, they the were the early ones or the later ones the first they were self created um, the customer created these low denomination ones on a certain machine so because he has a, a exhibit type collection of computer vended you know labels or stickers I particularly don't care for the fields because I don't consider them stamps however they're stamp like because they are have postage on them and they um, have make mail go through the system but to me, it's as boring as it can get. 
They actually are listed in the Scott Special. I know, but it's like... It's still boring. Who, who, yeah, it's like nobody collects uh, meter mail or anything. Well, I should take that back. There are meter mail collectors. Yes. But I have found that the rarest meter mails still aren't worth anything. And I have them. I have them. I have a big stock of meters. But anyway, you were negotiating. He had, what, $45 in face? Yeah, face value. And he was trying to get $20 out of me and claiming that I have to do this. I have to do this. Oh, I loved it. He, he was there. Oh, you here, buy it. You, you have to give me twenty dollars for this. I said, I don't want them. <laughs> I don't want them. I don't like them. I don't have to have them. He said, oh, please, you must save me. And, and finally, I said, well, maybe there's something to trade. And he saw a book of my errors and freaks and oddities, and he went through it and finally found one. And he said, well, how about if I trade you for this? And I said, okay. And then he realized I said okay too fast, <laughs> so he figured he could leverage that. And he said, well, can I get another one? <laughs> and I said, sure, why not? No, 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 you didn't. It says You said, well, it depends on what you pick. That's true, because he might have taken the more expensive one. And then he put back the one that he originally picked and took two others. <laughs> so now if anyone out there in uh, the podcast land collects computer vended postage or CVPs, please uh, contact us because I have about $45 in uh, lower denominations that can be added to your collection. For $20? For, for what? Uh, $25. i got to make a couple bucks. <laughs> Well, that was the thing. He offered them to me, and I, I was going to buy them for postage. But I think the highest value was 29 cents or something like that. I don't know. I mean, it was like one, two, one cent and five cent stuff. It's like, I can't use this. Now, here was the bait. He said that any of them that we used for mail oh, yes. that were returned, yes. Yes. he would buy that return computer vended mail for $5 each. So I'm thinking I'm gonna get out my dead addresses. <laughs> well, I think he did it because he wanted, you know, returned one so he could put him in the exhibit. Exhibit, yes. Yeah, and then you'd buy him for five bucks each. But they got to be legit, and that wouldn't be legit. No, I have no problem. I have, I have a, at least ten or I have about a dozen names right now that were rejected in the last month. And I'll, uh, maybe I'll send out postcards to those and see if they come back. And he said, well, I really was kidding when I said $5. Oh, you're paying more? <laughs> oh, it's $5 for all of them. Oh. So you asked a question about how do you make money in the stamp business. I did. And, and, uh, and, and was, You answered once. I answered part of it. Now, is the question, is it the dealer who makes money? And I'd like to change the subject. How do people, as collectors... Make money on stamps. And not necessarily short-term, but long-term. I think sometimes if you put together a very specialized collection and focused... And you maintain quality standards. And absolutely, and maybe even try and exhibit or have small exhibits. You don't have to go nationally, but have a very quality collection is a way to make some money. In the in the in the 70s, as a kid, if we could afford, we'd buy two of everything, and that way, when one went up in value, we sold the second one to help pay or defray the cost of the first one to build a kind of a free collection. What I find that most people who, who quote, buy things 
for investment. No, you're not investing. You're speculating. You invested your money, but you're speculating on your opportunity. Absolutely. The problem is, is like the stock market, most people miss the peaks. They miss, they miss the opportunities to sell things for a profit because, first off, they're not paying attention. They're not following the market. Or if it has gone up, Oh, I don't need the money. I don't have the time. So you miss the peak or the bubble. Well, if you've got, you know, equate it to the stock market, if you buy a good stock and hold it for a long time, you usually do well. So See. if you equate that to stamps, you buy a quality stamp. Quality stamp. And hold it for, you know, build a good collection over time. Over a long period of time, it will occur or grow. And based on dividends. the actual uh, fluctuations in the market. But if you're buying stamps, if you're a collector and you're buying stamps to make money, uh, I advise you get out. Personally, it, it really should be you first get into it for enjoyment. I totally, yes. I totally disagree. Good. Ask, ask me how I make money in stamps. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I have a book from 1926, and it's just, ask what? it's all about stamps. And the first thing is, is why do people, why do people collect stamps? And I read into the paragraph, and it finally said to make money. Okay, yes, but it's not so simplistic. I mean, you got to know something about what you have, or get lucky, you know. Well, no. In my opinion, you are a collector. You like the item. You buy items you buy that you collect. Yes. You sell the items anticipating a profit. If you don't anticipate a profit. You're not going to spend $1,000 for a stamp. You know, you're going to buy another piece of paper with a picture on it, which is comparable. Because if you are just collecting, not anticipating value increase, there's no reason for you to buy expensive stamps. That's clearly what we do not see in stamp collecting. We see people in stamp collecting spending very serious money for stamps. And if you spend serious money for stamps, you want it back. I, I compare it to uh, model train people. People who build model trains don't expect their money back. But you also don't have many thousand dollar trains that you're putting, you know, buy. You don't, you don't buy a really bit rare boxcar. You know, you buy a boxcar because you need a boxcar. And I think that's the difference is if there's no anticipation of profit, you're not going to spend a lot of money. However, Lloyd, you you brought up something. Why don't you move closer to the microphone? Yes. Tell people how you make money, because you make money in a very interesting way. By accident. <laughs> yeah. I simply look for very ordinary. I look for very ordinary stamps in extraordinary condition. But I started off by buying a Stanley Gibbons catalog and trying to memorize all the things listed in Gibbons catalog that weren't in Scott. And just like the dealers, here we're talking about finding a, cus a customer and, and anticipating or fulfilling their needs. I found a dealer who had customers whose needs needed fulfilling. And we just worked out a deal where I would trade my Stanley Gibbons varieties to him at Stanley Gibbons prices and give me stamps that I wanted for my collection out of his stock at Scott prices. So well, I was unemployed for the bulk of my real collecting, improving days, and I basically didn't ever spend any money. I just traded back and forth. 
Now, I, excellent. I, yeah, I get back to this question of quality because uh, buying quality. Over the years, I've tried to have my inventory be as quality conscious as possible, and I find it interesting when people walk into the show and want to sell things to me. The people I want to really buy from are the people who have bought from me in the past because they bring in quality material. They've looked, learned, uh, and uh, otherwise other people come in with other type of material and you have to look at it and you have to really look at the quality and whether or not it fits my inventory. Quality is tough and it's important. I mean, except for the British Guiana one cent, of which there is only one. Well, when there's only crummy stamps, don't tend to get good prices. Look, I, I, I also carry matching medicine, and as you know, quality in matching medicine is, yeah, you know, the best of the best could be. Why don't you tell? Why don't you tell the listeners why matching medicine stamps are always in poor quality? And in terms of, uh, in terms of their use, or uh, yeah, why, why are they damaged? They've been used. I mean, they've been used on boxes. They've been used on. Uh, they've been torn apart as they've taken off bottles. They've 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 been through the mill in a and, lot of cases. And yeah. so, when you find one that's not faulty, when it's, it's when it's not faulty, it's absolutely uh, a better quality. Now, if you look at the Scott catalog, it actually uh, talks about all the material is priced as faulty material because it's been used because how it's been been taken off of material how, you know, uh, over the years so um, you think you open them uh, take a mat, uh, match uh, wrapper you know they've been folded they're always folded unless they were unused and, and there are some, some companies only existed for maybe a month or two especially in the match company so the condition is and then they've been hinged and they've been uh, put in uh, you know albums over the years so you and they weren't always very well centered material yeah I mean, a lot of it uh, is like the old revenue stuff and it was just they perforated and then it just you know they weren't setting the machines like they are today so finding something very good quality should sell for a lot more I don't know if that answers the question you're looking Yeah, I, uh, I actually had a stamp from Dr. Jane and Sons. You collected a lot of them. That's what I collected. And I got a box. There was a stamp, a four-cent stamp. Only eight of them were known. Only eight are known. Mine was still on the box. The problem was, is that only about one-sixth of it still existed. The rest of it fell off the box. Okay. So yeah. I had one sixth of a stamp, of which only eight are known. And a lot of them, <laughs> you'll find folds, absolutely folds and tears all the way through. The, you know, yeah. Throughout the material. Yeah, it's hard to put a a stamp on a box that's used to seal the box shut, yeah. and then have it survive sure. after the box is over. Or on a bottle. Or on a bottle. Yeah. yeah. So anybody have anything else to say to the listeners? Well, no, it's been a pleasure being here. <laughs> thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Stan, thank, thank you. you. Lloyd, Don, Wave. Hi. <laughs> Katrina, too. This is one of the new thing dangles microphones that takes our pictures while we talk. Oh, yeah, that's it.
Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Posner Incorporated, and we're in Long Island, New York, in New Jersey, and our philosophy of Gary Posner Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on 1 out of 2 and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager. Send up address.